0: I'm Hassel. and I'm JP. And welcome to Pulled Corks Podcast.
1: Alright, guys, episode two. We survived one episode and now we're back for the second. And
0: since we liked the last one so much, we do another volcano. Yes!
1: So last time we were on here, we were talking about wines from Mount Etna, Sicily, and Sicily, which is uh, volcanic soil, and uh, and so now we're back. We're just going to keep with that volcano theme, and we're going to go down to the the Grand Canaries, the
0: Canary Islands. Yeah. The thing is, the island is even smaller, and the volcano
1: even taller. Yes. Yep. So this is about the size of uh, Mount Fuji. Almost exactly as tall. Like a 200 foot difference or something. Yeah, really. And to be specific, we're going to be talking about... uh,
0: Tenerife. Tenerife Tenerife is the biggest of the seven main Canary Islands. They belong to Spain. They're just off the coast of Morocco, so way down south. But the mountain, the volcano we're talking about, the Pico del Teide, is the tallest mountain of all Spain you have to imagine that on that small island
1: right and you know it is a part of Spain it's like he said off the coast of Morocco but it's been part of Spain for a really long time so it's far away from Spain but it's not like some new addition to the country no it was actually already Spanish territory
0: or the Spanish were starting conquering it when Columbus made his way to America he actually stopped over there at the island of La Gomera and they were fighting with the Portuguese a little bit so we have some Portuguese culture and grapes also so we have a wild mixture of really
1: old grape varieties there Uh, yes and uh, there's not really much history of natives prior to the Spanish being there there is the Guanches it was like a more or less primitive culture yeah they said when they arrived it was a neolithic yes community stone age stone age and and even when the uh, when the romans arrived there they said that it was uh, unoccupied but they did find a few stone buildings uh, or a few stone temples and that was it those natives were there between the Romans and the Spaniards, so it's... Uh, yeah. Nobody actually really knows where they come
0: from. There are legends that say, or the Spanish mm-hmm. records say, they were tall and blonde-haired. Mm-hmm. So there might have been even descendants of Vikings. There are all kinds of theories.
1: Right. And it's, so it's kind of just uh, open land there for the taking and actually the Spanish never took much care about native they didn't really worry about that's true (laughs) (laughs) maybe they just killed everyone and lied to us and said ah it was empty (laughs) it definitely wasn't empty so there was a
0: culture on Tenerife and also the neighboring islands there are still some words and especially place names from their native language yeah this is a really interesting blend of cultures so they were assimilated into the Spanish culture there's some foods, like the gofio, they eat on this island. It's like a roasted barley meal they mm-hmm. eat for breakfast. That is actually coming from that Guanche culture, from these native people who lived on these islands. Very nice. Oh, and to
1: all you guys out there, uh, JP is their expert on uh, the Canary Islands because he actually used to live there. I lived on the island of La Palma,
0: which is the westernmost northwesternmost of the seven islands it's close to tenerife it belongs to the same uh, district so tenerife was like the car number of all the cars on this island too and from my house in la palma i could actually see the volcano of teide just across the sea i could see the little white ferry crossing over so i have kind of an emotional connection so these wines are dear to my heart. We are trying two wines from Tenerife today. Yeah, We were talking about the food, like the, the roasted barley meal, but there's also an abundance of seafood on these islands. Oh, I'm sure. Um, there's a ton of bananas growing there. Actually, a lot of the wine was pushed back into the mountains when the banana plantations started. They grow sugar cane, so they have kind of rum they grow tobacco they have handmade cigars there that are famous so it's basically a subtropical tropical environment but due to the altitude they can grow wine there in all kinds of we already talked in the etna episode about mm-hmm. it they have all kinds of microclimates around this island around the volcano and especially the area we're talking about today the valle de la orotava in the north of the volcano, collect there, the, the clouds are collected at the slopes of the volcano and
1: they have more humidity and rain. So uh, it's ideal to grow grapes there. Very cool. And speaking of grapes, they have uh, several different types. Uh, the white grapes, they have the Malvasia.
0: Yeah, that's historic, historically very important. Nowadays, not as much anymore was used for heavy sweet wines. They were exporting to the Caribbean, mm-hmm. to the New World, mm-hmm. like sturdy Madeira-style sweet wines, like a Marsala maybe. Right, and the Liston Blanco. Yeah, this is interesting. Um, Listan Blanco, is you find it on all the Canary Islands, and it, it's actually the same grape as the Palomino Blanco, which is the Sherry
1: grape. Ah, okay, so it makes sense, Spain and Sherry. Yeah. Let me see if I can get this right. <coughs> Sorry, Spanish-speaking people. The uh, marmajuelo. Yeah,
0: marmajuelo is actually a native grape to the Canaries. You won't find it anywhere else. It's okay. rare and, yeah,
1: ancient. So anytime you tell me that, that just makes me want to try yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> Same about the gual. I, I never heard about The gual, yeah. the verdeo. The
0: verdeo is, uh, you find it in Portugal, yeah. Spain. Yeah, that's
1: more common uh forestera. yeah
0: and a couple of other like yeah and then mm-hmm. we have the reds that's the Lista negro which mm-hmm. is for you as an american the mission masters, grape yeah the good old mission grape you find <laughs> in california <laughs> yeah and uh Negra mole and also the tintilla which is actually the true soul from jura
1: right oh okay it's so, oh, so the jura the Crazy. Yeah, it's not as
0: uh, cool climate and right. acidic <laughs> as you find it there. It's more ripe and warm climate style in the Canaries. And it's usually used in blends. I think we'll have it in the blend we are trying today. Very, very cool. So more about Tenerife. Tenerife, usually the Canary Islands, the island itself is a DO. Mm. Only Tenerife, which is the largest one, has different DOs. And we're actually looking at the Valle de la Orotava, which means Valley of Orotava. But uh, it's not a valley I heard, it's like more like a slope of the volcano. Oh, okay. It's not an actual valley. Yeah, so obviously all grapes are grown in volcanic soil. Mm -hmm. The topsoil is quite sandy. So the phylloxera, the parasite doesn't Ah, like sandy soil.
1: America's gift to Europe. Maybe you as the Bordeaux
0: expert could get into it
1: a little bit. So uh, I'll give you guys a brief little rundown. I'm sure we'll do a a disgusting episode of the Phylloxera, which is this uh, mite or or louse that lives underground and it uh, feeds on the roots. It basically pierces the rootstocks. Yes. Uh, You can also find... uh, it lays its eggs in these in the leaves as well. It's just disgusting. These mucus-filled packs. Parasites. It, it's a parasite. It's absolutely a parasite on grapevines, and it uh, came over to Europe from America because I think I don't have my numbers, but it was really popular in France in the mid 1800s to import all these different garden plants from America. Nice. So they were bringing—I forget—it was—it was a huge amount. Like in one year, it was like seventy tons of garden plants were imported from America to France, and they brought eventually. The, oh, they started bringing over American grapes as well. So yeah, they were trying them, especially in the southern Rhone. Yes. Were
0: experimenting with American grapes, and with these
1: grapes came a little mite, and it started. I believe around Bordeaux is where they first noticed.
0: No, that was Southern Rome. Southern.
1: Oh, you're right. It was Southern Rome. I remember the story now. So it was, yeah, it's Southern Rome. So these... Uh, and it, just, it doesn't happen overnight. And that's what made this hard. By the time the, the, the vines start dying, it's too late. You're infested. So there's nothing you can do about it then but they didn't have any idea what was causing this. All they knew was all these vines started to die off and they couldn't figure it out at all. They couldn't find
0: a remedy. Couldn't
1: and... find any remedies and even when they did finally discover that it was this little itty bitty very, very, very small, small bug this nasty little thing doing it they refused to believe it. Yeah. They did not want to accept the fact that some. T- some tiny tiny little thing underground was causing this problem which led to more delay in solving the problem and everything they tried there was nothing they could do that that would stop it and then they noticed that some of these american grape varieties that were completely different species of grape than old world european grapes like well all the wine grapes in europe are variations of the species of vitis vinifera and the American grapes are they're different. Some Vitis Lambrusca and uh, others. All kinds of. All kinds of different ones. But they're not Vitis vinifera, what you would usually consider to be old-world wine grapes. Now, they noticed that these new-world varieties of wine, this other species, well, it's been living with this parasite for millions years. So they completely built up a tolerance to this. So they weren't dying from it. So they got this idea to cut the rootstocks off of the uh, European vines and graft them onto the rootstocks of the American varieties of vine. And it worked. The Phylloxera wasn't able to destroy the uh, the wines. Yeah, it
0: couldn't attack the American rootstocks. They were resistant.
1: Right. And uh, so that saved that saved the wine for, in, in Europe. They, they Right now, if you buy... If you go to... Burgundy, or you go to uh, Bordeaux or the Rhone, those vines because Phylloxera is here. It's not going anywhere. It's staying here. It's not leaving Europe. So if you're growing grapes in Europe right now, they have rootstocks from these American species yes. of grapes. You
0: you find in some remote, really slaty, Mosel vineyards, you find original rootstocks because the Phylloxera has problems to get there, or where you have really sandy soil. They seem to hate sand, which brings us back to the Canary Islands. So it's volcanic ashes and sand there. It's not hospitable for them. And the islands are so remote, right? They never really brought in a lot of them in the first place. So we have original rootstock grapevines that go back to the 1800s. So over 100 year old, 150 year old, really old. Gnarly, great vines. Yeah, and the other thing is they have a very interesting system of training them because it's slopes. It's an island. You have storms, winds you cannot imagine. So these vines just crawl on the ground, they they correct? Crawl on the ground and they are braided into each other. Ah, so it's called the cordon transado. Mm-hmm. So they need use the cordon training. But they braid the wines along the cordon and these like they almost look like blocks of grape wine. It's pretty wicked looking. Yeah. So, Google. Sometimes it. with the old ones, we will put some link in the show notes because you have to have a look at
1: this. It's yeah. Pretty. It's
0: really nice. cool. It's, you it's, can see a picture on on the podcast.
1: Later. If you saw a picture of these vineyards, yeah. the first thing about, you're not going to say, "Oh, look, it's a vineyard." Yeah. yeah. It, it looks really interesting. Yes. Yeah. And. Sometimes
0: with the older vineyards, you don't even know which grape variety is braided in there. Correct. So that's why they have a lot of field plants there. Both wines we have today will be kind of grown together grapes from different varieties.
1: Very nice.
0: Yeah. And now I want to talk a little bit about the specific winery we're going to taste today. Okay. Uh, the winery is called Suertes del Marques. It's uh, pretty recently founded. I think it's 2006. They founded this winery. And they, you, you have to think about these islands that were usually run by little grape growers and cooperatives making some table wine. And they were the first ones like pioneers in really pushing forward quality wine making. So they got really good winemakers from the Spanish mainland and built something there. They bought parcel by parcel of the mm. best vineyards on the island, and they they are actually the pioneer. We have now their former winemaker, has his own label now, it's called Envinate. They're pretty good too. Um, Suertes del Marques, they're the iconic Tenerife
1: producer. So this is it, so if you if you want to taste... As the... good as it gets. Awesome. So
0: they do minimal intervention winemaking. They work organically as much as possible. They use concrete vets, uh, special French concrete vats, mm-hmm. uh, used also by DRC and Chateau Petrus. Now you see what kind of ambition they have. Yeah, absolutely. And they have custom-made oak barrels, French oak barrels from Burgundy. 500 liters size and they blend like the concrete and the oak uh, to their special taste. Very cool. So we get, yeah, they don't do any racking or stirring, really low, low intervention. So we get high quality wine from really, really exotic grapes from a terroir you won't find at any other place on earth, and the prices are still very affordable. We we talk about under 20 euro for the two wines we have. Awesome. So (laughs) let's try it. Okay, so the first one here is called Transado. Transado is the braided. Ah, well, perfect. You you have the braided wine on the label. Mm -hmm. You can see that later on Instagram or wherever we post this. It's a field blend of mostly Listan Blanco, which is the Palomino Blanco uh, of the Sherry region. And uh, we have some Vidueño, the Mamahuelo we were talking, the Gual. So we get all these native things. So just uh, a... Funny enough, another sherry variety, Pedro Jimenez. Ah, well. The good old PX. Good old PX. Yeah. Ungrafted wines. So what we are talking, no phylloxera. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're really old. They're from different vineyards, blended. All volcanic soil, some clay in there. Yeah. And they only do wild yeast fermentation. So they only use native yeast to the island. adds to the terroir even more so let's give it a try let's do this this is definitely one of the most exotic wines we've ever had okay whoa that's different it's bright light straw color it's very clean they, they don't filter at all so you see they don't stir it so it's very very clean very funky aroma very funky on the nose. You yeah. definitely get that volcanic soil. You get the wild yeast. You definitely get the wild yeast. So. Yeah, you even have like gunpowder in there. Yeah, you, you do. Like almost like the, the slaty smell
1: of the Mosul. It reminds me a lot of the Etna we had last time. This kind of reminds me. because I just said, oh, I happened to be there last week. So this reminds me if, <laughs> if I've got any beer drinkers listening mm. to me right now. And if you've ever been to Brussels, and you've ever been to a brewery called Cantillon, and you go inside there, it smells like the inside of the brewery. Because the brewery is just full of uh, yeast. So we also have to say that
0: this uh, wine had like, 40% of the wine had a month of skin contact. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of an orange component in this too. Oh, yeah. It's completely covered by that. Interesting gunpowder
1: yeast. that wild yeast. That is delicious. Funky smells not a
0: funky taste. That is delicious. really delicious. Unfolding in your mouth. It's that very, very complex. One of the most like complex wines I've ever even, seen. Even in France you don't get this. Not there's
1: so there's just so much
0: going on. Yeah. Unbelievable that you get this kind of complexity mm. and
1: quality at this price. Yeah, it does not have that. When I was talking about that beer, it does not have the flavor of that at all. But de- definitely the nose definitely, yeah. the nose. definitely the nose. Definitely the nose. But that funky aroma, which I love that funky aroma because I know, you know I already know it's going to taste good. It smells like a lambic, yeah, but like a lambic beer, but it doesn't taste like. And it. there's it's citrus, not sour at all. Stone fruit. Mm-hmm. There's a lot
0: going on in this wine. This is fantastic. That is a winner.
1: That is a winner. All right.
0: So their investment in quality definitely paid out. Yes. And if they're going on like this, they're also having a higher quality range even. So you have to expect something coming out of
1: Tenerife in the next couple of years. Absolutely. that is. They, they are off to a really good start. Absolutely remarkable wine. So let's move on to the red. The red. Siete Fuentes. Siete Fuentes,
0: so the seven fountains or right. wells or yeah, springs. Seven springs. Oh, springs, I would say. It's also, it's uh, DO, Valle de la Ortava. You see like the harvesters on the picture on the label. They have uh, big hats, almost like the Japanese tea harvesters to protect themselves from the strong sun they have. Ah, okay. Yeah, you you don't see that uh, on the European mainland a lot. It's very interesting. So we have... Almost like a sombrero. Yeah, almost like a Mexican sombrero. Yeah. So we have here 80% listan negro, a mix of young wines and over 100 year old. Ungrafted wines from different vineyards, again, all kinds, they blend them. And then we have 10% Tintilla, which is the Trousseau from Jura again. So expect some funk in this one too. There's a little Listan Blanco in this, so uh-huh. white. It's like a Rhone blend where you just add a little white. And only 40% of this wine is actually aged in used oak, 500 liter Burgundy oak berries. Oh, okay. So, yeah, they're mo- more or less neutral. They age them for eight months in the oak, and the rest is uh, in small concrete tanks. Oh, so let's give it a try. Yep,
1: let's do this one now. This, this one. also uses the wild yeast, correct? Right? Yes, they only everything they only there. do spontaneous fermentation. Gotcha. Yeah.
0: You see, it's a light color. It is. It reminds me
1: like a Beaujolais.
0: Yeah, or like a May Beaujolais. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, but you know yeah. what it smells like? It smells a lot like a Dornfelder. Yeah, origami. Origami, yeah, yeah. It could be a funky natural Beaujolais. Because mm-hmm. again, it has a little bit of the, it has the gunpowder funk. and funkiness. <laughs> but there's, there's also, also a, a ton of
1: fruit. A ton of fruit on the nose, yeah.
0: Like fresh strawberries, raspberries. You can see that it's not completely clear.
1: No, it is uh, so
0: not definitely not filtered, not fined, and this kind of spice together with the fruit is really unique.
1: Definitely, some of the gunpowder carries over. Mm. On, on the really fresh crisp acidity
0: really? for red wine from a subtropical country. Yeah, and it <laughs>
1: I'll be honest with you. It still reminds me a bit of the Gamay or the Dornfelder. Yeah,
0: definitely. Yeah, it's it's, it's the fruitiness. hmm I mean, the, even the
1: almost like a little bit Pinot Noir.
0: Yeah, definitely. So we have the Mission grape as the main, and then playing together with the Trousseau from Jura and a little bit of Sherry. Yeah. So <laughs> this is a really interesting blend. It really is. It's it's really nice. That kind of tastes like a Beaujolais. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it it really does. It's be funky, Beaujolais. It'd be a good alternative to Beaujolais, honestly. Mm. I, pre- I actually, I would prefer this, and it's easy drinking. Mm-hmm. Like
0: alcohol is thirteen point five, and you don't feel it. Right? Oh no, not not at all. At all. Yeah, it's I'm really thinking. light on the palate. Yeah. The tannins are just the right balance. It's a very, very well balanced and also
1: complex fruit. Easy to drink. It's a very easy to drink red wine. If you are new to wine and uh, you're wanting to venture into more reds, this would be a good one. I mean, this is the kind of red wine where the bottle just disappears. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You wonder where where it went. (laughs) Exactly. So, everyone, uh, anything else to uh, add there, JP? No, I, I think we, we did it, so really we
0: recommend you to explore the Canary Islands, especially Suerte del Marques and their quality, also maybe Andinate, all the high quality producers from Tenerife,
1: I can really recommend. So all of you uh, Americans listening here, get online, uh, see if you can find it, yeah. please get back to us, because we don't live, yeah, we live you know, right on the German-French border and we get it all. Uh, we can get this stuff anytime. And so let us know what it's going for over in the U.S. Get back to us. Try it if you can. If it's affordable for you. So that's uh, that's the Canary
0: Islands. So. Yeah, that's Tenerife. There are still other islands to explore. There's Lanzarote, La Palma. Right. We definitely get back to that uh,
1: area because
0: it's really interesting. It's up and coming. Still quite affordable. So, so we'll come back to you like with some
1: more uh, Canary Island episodes. Definitely, <clears throat> maybe we can go down there and you know re- record live in the Canary yeah. Islands. Yeah. All right. So uh, check us out on uh, Facebook, on Instagram as Pulled Corks. Find us on or oh or JP Pulled Corks on Instagram. Will work. <laughs> Twitter, Pulled Corks. Uh, or our really awesome website, uh, Pulled Corks, the unpretentious fine beverage magazine at wwwpold corkscom Check it out. Alright, so until next week, salute, salute.